0: Around the corner of future technology. Today, I'm talking with Dan Rubens, uh, co-founder of Legal Robot. Dan, how you doing? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be talking about artificial intelligence and how your firm is using it in the legal field. So, can you give a quick background on you know what it is Legal Robot does and what areas of the legal industry it uh, works in?
1: Sure. Um, So at a high level, we uh, analyze contracts with machine learning. Um, We try to make them more understandable and help um, free companies from some of the friction that the contracts cause in in their legal processes.
0: So, okay, are you using natural language processing to interpret what's in a contract? Is that how it works?
1: Yeah, we use natural language processing um, and some other forms of... Uh, machine learning. Uh, there's one sort of specific field of machine learning called deep learning, and we use that to sort of understand how how people use legal language in practice, and then uh, use that to understand how it's being used in the particular target document.
0: Can you give me an example of you know maybe a couple legal terms that are pretty common that your um, AI system can understand now the meaning of?
1: Yeah, so, you know, we, we don't think of them as individual legal terms. We, we really look at the entire sentence, uh, the entire paragraph, in context of the whole document. So we can throw out a, a word like indemnification, and we see that a lot in, in contracts, naturally. Um, but the the meaning of that really changes based on the words around it. So we really like to look at, at the entire context that that word is used in. So That might be a trigger word for... Um, for a lawyer that's reading a contract, they want to look at that section in particular and, and look for something. But um, we, we really try to, to, to look at the entire sentence and the way that's being used.
0: So, okay, so a document will be analyzed, and then what's next? An attorney will be given the analysis of the documents along with the original, or what's the process? So
1: sometimes we work uh, with attorneys, but we've actually found that, that usually we're working directly with uh, people in the business, so we're working with um, with, with a, a head of sales or with the salesperson themselves, mm. um, or we're working with someone in HR. Um, so these are all sort of the the end users of law, and and I think what's kind of funny is that lawyers. Um, and, and by the way, I'm not a lawyer. I'm 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 a, a machine learning guy myself, okay. but um, I think lawyers sometimes tend to forget that the the end users of law actually aren't lawyers. Um, you know, Lawyers are sort of the, the mechanics of, of law. They fix problems, and, and that's great, and they're, they're very um, necessary in that, but they're not really the end users of law. Um, those are the people that are actually operating businesses. Um, they're individuals that, that are trying to resolve a legal issue. Um, so we, we really are making our product for the end users of law and trying to make law more friendly for them.
0: That makes sense so as an end user let's say um, I'm gonna rent a commercial building and you know I get an agreement from the landlord's attorney and it's like a 30 page nightmare and my eyes are mm-hmm. crossing what will a legal robot do for me in that example what, what will I get from it as an output will it translate the gobbledygook into English or what will it do
1: so you'll get a few different things um, for one thing you'll get um, a sort of a one-page summary of the document Something that just helps you understand the, the, the key terms in that document, understand the sort of the point of the document. Um, it's basically like automatically generating a term sheet. Now we also pair that with some deeper level analysis. If you're trying to proofread the document, if it if it hasn't been executed yet and there's still time for some changes, we'll actually help you spot legal issues in there. So maybe use a definition wrong. Or um, maybe there's some other sort of problem in there. Maybe you, you really probably should put something like um, uh, "reasonable efforts" instead of "best efforts." Uh, maybe that's sort of standard for the type of agreement. So we'll we'll look for those sorts of errors, um, and we'll we'll provide some statistics on how often certain terms are used in that type of agreement. Um, and you can make your own decision if you want to go ahead and negotiate on that point. We won't we won't necessarily tell you either way, but. We'll give you some more data to, to sort of inform that decision
0: so it sounds like um, for a particular agreement you've you've had to have trained your system on similar agreements in the same niche or genre of agreement right
1: right yeah so we've, we've trained um, very generally on legal language and how people use legal language um, that was a very large data set that we trained on and then we have, we've also trained on specific legal agreements um that that you might have more um more targeted questions about. So if you um you know if you, if you get for example a stock purchase agreement or like you said a commercial lease or something like that. Right. Um, those are something that are very well represented in public data sources. So that's something that, that we have trained on. Um, other data sets, you know if we don't have a particular type of contract that we've seen a lot, uh, maybe you're in the niche industry, can actually go and train your own algorithms on it uh, through through our web
0: interface. I mean are you saying you have an API where you can take your AI system and train it on on my data, for instance?
1: yeah, and and you can actually do that yourself without any coding. Um, so let's say you know you you work in I don't know oil and gas and you have some really specific type of um, type of agreement that you're looking for. And we haven't trained on it yet. Um, right out of the box, you'll, you'll get some use out of out of our product. We we understand generally how people use legal language, but if there's something really specific, you can train your own classifiers, your own algorithms, um, and you can run those on your your own checks on documents that, that come through the door.
0: So uh, okay, so the results, again, let's say it's um, you know commercial lease. So I'll get a one page summary and what the lease is about in plain English. Mm -hmm. Will the system also point out, hey, um, this provision right here is not customary, you know, only in 3% of leases reviewed that we have seen this term? Or, like, what else would you get out of it that's useful and how would I use it? Yeah, so we we
1: do a number of things. We'll we'll apply things like um, Ken Adams' manual of South contract drafting find errors. But, yeah, we'll also do that kind of statistical analysis that – that says, you know, look in this in this type of document, which we've we've reviewed a statistically significant number of these documents, we don't really see this clause a lot. Let's say you're you're looking in, at an NDA, and for some reason someone copied and pasted something, and they got a royalty clause in there. You're like, as a lawyer, you're going to review that, and you're going to be like, what's what's this doing here? Get this out of here. This is just clearly a you know a, a, an error, right. but you know, a non-professional that's reading that might not spot that. So we'll help you spot that. And then we'll also go a little deeper. We'll actually help you sort of identify areas of um, ambiguity. Sometimes that's strategic ambiguity. Sometimes it's not intentional. Um, And, you know, it's sort of the the way the document's structured that can can result in um, significant changes in meaning. So, all
0: right, so if I use Legal Robot on... uh... On a contract, should I? Do you still recommend I get an attorney to review it and your analysis? Are you even able to make a recommendation like that?
1: Yeah, we we definitely think that people still need. I mean, you know, attorneys aren't going anywhere. (laughs) This is this is definitely not going to put any attorneys out of business. This is this is still um, part of a a proper legal analysis. We just think this is for individuals. This is something that um, can help them have a more meaningful and productive conversation with their attorney. And when we're thinking about use in a more corporate environment, this is something that allows the lines of business, the people that are actually operating and working with these contracts, it lets them sort of have a pre-check before, um, before a, a legal department review. They, they sort of know, okay, this is going to get through legal. Um, none of the sort of stupid errors that I usually send to le- legal they're not going to get flagged in here um, or I just need to go and fix this one thing to become compliant with my, you know, in-house legal guidelines or something like that. So those are sort of the, the use cases we're working with, both on the consumer side where it's it's sort of a pre-check or pre facie review for, for those lawyers out there. Um and then on the on the corporate side it's it's again something to um uh, make sure that you're compliant with in-house standards.
0: Okay. What about, um, are any of your clients attorneys or firms themselves, what about a firm that has to review thousands of contracts or uh, you know, high high volume stuff? Do you have a use case for uh, law firms themselves?
1: Yeah, we definitely do have um, law firms that are, that are interested. Um, quite a few law firms have signed up for our early beta. Um, we've actually got eight of the top ten global law firms signed up for our early beta. And I think a lot of them are are interested in it for um, for sort of due diligence and, and large scale document review use cases. Um, how that ends up playing out in the market, we'll see. Honestly, they're not our primary client. Um, you know, we, we'd really rather sell to um, in the in house legal department and the lines of business. Selling to to law firms is notoriously difficult, and um, you know, we we find that, that a lot of them are already adopting technology uh, that that is quite helpful. So they may not have as big of a need for it. Um, if you're in a l- large law firm and, and you're sort of using associate time to do large-scale document review, you're not really using your, your associates well. So a lot of them in, in recent years have sort of made advances and investments in their own technology for this.
0: Oh, technology that uses AI or just technology that uses, uh, you know, character recognition and just mass scanning into a database?
1: Sort of the the basic level of of, um, uh, sort of document understanding and and natural language processing. There are a lot of good sort of e-discovery tools that can be adapted to this purpose. Um, So we don't really see a huge market there, honestly.
0: Okay. So you you see the big market in... uh the end user, the person that again wants to rent a commercial property or is negotiating a you know, NDA or other agreement with a company, that kind of thing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's it's you know going back to the the sort of car example. It's it's the um, it's the, the, the end user of, of a car is the driver. It's it's all of us. You know, we all need to, to drive a car to get to work. Yep. Um. So it, that's that's really our end user, not the mechanics. Um, so we'd, we'd really much prefer to service all of the end users in the world um, rather than just the mechanics.
0: What about um, it seems like a big imbalance of power, you know, especially with uh, terms of use on so many things you know web related. Could this be used as a tool for people to um, <clears throat> apply when faced suddenly with a 30 page terms of use document to help them find quickly, are there any um, landmines if I agree to this? Do you see that? Yeah. Well,
1: actually, um, just just before uh, just before this, I, I just got an email from uh, Uber, and they had just updated their terms of service like half an hour ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, well, I, you know, uh, sure, I want to read their summary of what they've changed, but I'm kind of curious, what did they really change? What are what are they kind of trying to slip in there? That's that's um, uh, that's maybe trying to fly under the radar. Um, so they mentioned some changes to their arbitration procedures. Um, turns out those changes might not be totally in, uh, in the consumer's favor, as you would expect. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of interesting. We, we do see some things like that, and we can pretty quickly analyze uh, changes to those, to those uh, major terms and, and privacy policies. So we're actually going to make a lot of those public um, changes to major services like Apple and Google and Uber and, you know, sort of the, the, the big companies that, that tend to make a lot of news. We're actually going to make those changes public.
0: Oh, really? So you're going to, okay, so you're going to analyze them yourself and you're going to make them public? Mm-hmm. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, some of the mechanics of, of what you do. What? do you use programming languages? If so, what do you use? I mean, what, how is this, how is a piece of code do what your program does? How does it analyze a document or m- multiple documents and find concepts or, you know, understand them? Like, you know, for the, the lay person, how does this mm-hmm. code-
1: So if you think of, of sort of the traditional way of programming a computer, um, you're writing out rules and you're writing out the logic of, of particular rules and you compose them into functions and you know, higher and higher level objects. Um, and that's certainly one way to write a program. But I think what's changed in, in, in the uh, sort of computer science world in the last few years and what's made this, this possible is we're now evaluating um, the, the source document rather than passing it through a whole big set of handwritten rules what we're doing is we're looking at the internal relationships in that document. So the way we start is we actually build what's called a co-occurrence matrix, um, or we we count how many times a word shows up alongside every other word. Hmm. And so that's a lot of computational work to do that, uh, which is why we've only been able to do it recently. But we we start out and we build that co-occurrence matrix. That basically gets, changed into a long set of numbers that represents a single word or a single sentence. So we now have basically a set of numbers that represents um, an indemnification clause. But we can pass that, that long string of numbers, we can pass that through a bunch of sort of old style statistical algorithms, um, and we can analyze the relationships between that set of numbers and other sets of numbers we can see how close that, that indemnification clause is, as represented by those numbers. We can see how close that is to other indemnification clauses. Um, and we can say, okay, well, it's, it's, it's this far apart, um, and we can measure that distance. So that's, that's something that's really interesting that's, that's become possible in the last, I'd say, five years, um, that, that has enabled our technology.
0: All right so you're looking for occurrence of certain words in the same sentence or not? Okay, so that's one one factor. What else? I mean, you know, obviously you disclose as much as you can, as much as you want. But what else goes into making your program work besides the uh, you know the frequency of certain words appearing together? How does it understand a a, a concept? Or does it doesn't even do that. What you know? How does it work?
1: Yeah. So what we do is we we take um, we take those long strings of numbers and we build uh, what's what's called the classifier on top of it. And when we build enough classifiers we, we get to the point where we can um, we can understand what legal concepts are being um, being used in a particular sentence or in a particular paragraph. And we actually fit that to an ontology. So if you remember remember back to like you know legal theory and, and drawing out the, um, the, the different sorts of um, exchanges in a contract, um, you can actually draw those out um, between two parties. If you, if you have a, a, a circle on one side that's party A and a circle on the other side that's a party B, you draw a line between them, that's an exchange. So we'll actually build out each of those components using a classifier. Um, and we've built a lot of those, <laughs> actually, a whole lot of those. Um, so we're actually able to model a contract um, in that way. We're able to sort of draw out all the different lines and, and concepts of, of that contract. So we we call it a conceptual graph of the contract. Okay. And then we compare that conceptual graph
0: to other contracts. Okay. So it sounds like you're defining the universe of... All the contractual exchanges or elements that are possible and then your system is looking for when when any one of those elements occurs in an agreement that it's reviewing
1: right right yeah so we can we can look at um, at an agreement and say it's got you know a hundred different exchanges in the agreement or, or 12 different exchanges in the agreement and we can look at the nature of those exchanges and how they transfer be- between different parties and, and different characteristics they may have. Um, and that, that provides us really rich information that we can then display to to the user of the software. Um, so that's sort of, sort of how how the, the complicated stuff behind the scenes gets made. But on the surface, what happens is you upload a document, and within a few seconds, you get this very rich summary of the legal language inside, and what's really happening with the legal language inside of it, um, and it's a much more visual way to work with legal, legal language than most people are used to. I mean, you could flip through all 60 pages of that contract, but if you can, um, if you can also look in there and and uh, on one screen find the one particular section that you're that you care about, that's a, a sort of much more efficient review of that contract.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um I've seen, you know, out there on the web, uh, Google has a natural language processing uh, API. Watson, IBM has one. Did you guys have to mm-hmm. build your own from scratch? Or are you piggybacking on those? You know, how, how good is yours versus theirs?
1: Yeah, so we, we actually we, we started out, um, you know, kind of with, with some hubris thinking, okay, we we, um, we can kind of uh, we can get this thing to market real quick if we just use some off-the-shelf tools. There's some really great natural language tools out there, um, and, and the field has just been taking leaps and bounds in recent years. But What we found out pretty quickly is that a lot of them are trained on sort of traditional prose. Um, so they're trained on normal sentences. and there's really nothing natural about legal language. Um, so we, we really couldn't use, yeah, we really couldn't use um, those off-the-shelf tools. We had to build our own. Um, so we started out trying to use those and we, we tried Watson and we tried the Stanford Core NLP toolkit and we, we tried some other tools that are, that are sort of well-known. Um, and, and you know, they they provided some insight to be sure, but they really didn't give us the kind of, Level of accuracy that we were looking for on legal sentences, and the reason is that legal sentences are just so much longer. They have these um, what's called a long-range dependency problem, where you have you know a sentence that might be um, 15 words in normal text, and in legal text it ends up being something that's uh, 40 or 50 words long, um, and a single sentence. So it's it's a really different kind of problem. Um, the nice thing is we get a lot more um, hierarchy in legal language, so we can actually exploit that hierarchy in unique ways. So we, we ended up doing doing our own algorithms, but it ended up being um, something really good for us as far as accuracy.
0: So where are you at with your product? Is it available to the public and for what uh, types of agreements, or is it still at beta, or where are you in the process?
1: So it's not available to the public yet. Um, we are working with six companies that are, um, that are sort of in, in the, the beta, private beta stage right now. Um, and, and we're really trying to get a sense of, of how they use it from day to day in their business uh, before we actually launch it publicly. Um, this is something where you know, people are going to be depending on this for, um, for, for understanding legal language they're going to be making real bu- business decisions off of this. Um, so we want to be sure that this is something really solid, and we also need to be sure that it's incredibly secure. Um, so we're, we're only working with a small set of customers um, at this point just to make sure that it's uh, that, that, that we get everything right early on. Uh, so we haven't launched it public- publicly yet, but in just a couple weeks, we're actually going to be launching a small product um, that uses just a part of it to do some legal automation work.
0: Uh, what's that going to be?
1: So um, just recently, the U.S. Copyright Office kind of screwed up uh, the <laughs> the entire Digital Millennium Copyright Act um, uh, safe harbor for everyone. So they decided to wipe out everyone's safe harbor rights and, uh, and uh, sort of replace them with... Um, uh, with a new online registry, which is good in a way, but uh, there's going to be the scramble over the next year to re-register um, uh, for Safe Harbor uh, for any website based in the U.S. Uh, that hosts user-created content. So we're actually providing a product that's going to launch in a couple weeks um, that automates that process for website owners. So they may not be Legal professionals—they may not be um, people that are super technical and, and familiar with this—but we want to give them this really important legal protection uh, with a minimum amount of effort. So we, we've provided a, a essentially a DMCA safe harbor bot uh, that will go ahead and do the registrations for them and keep them up to date.
0: It sounds like your um, your tool could also be helped could also help people with compliance. Say, um, crafting a compliant terms of service policy, privacy policy, those kinds of things. I mean, I would guess that multiple pieces of uh, legislation need to be addressed in one of those. Do you see a use case for the product like that?
1: Yeah, we we do, and, and there's actually some some other folks that are out there in the legal tech industry doing some interesting things with with that. Um, naturally, on the on the large scale, there's products like Contracts Express um, that, uh, that are quite useful um, and there are also tools like Ayubenda. So those things are, are, are interesting and, and um, uh, certainly useful, but we, we're trying to stay away from automatically generating legal language because that gets much more into the realm of actual legal practice. Uh, when you're generating a, a particular document for someone it, it might straddle the line between sort of providing them, you know, something that they're going to use and and, and actually, uh, I guess, really depend on as as um, a legal document. Right.
0: So, where do you see um, your biggest opportunity in the next, you know, one to three years?
1: So I think um, I think you 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 nailed it with the compliance and, and sort of the automation there. Um, really the way we think of a product right now with the contract analytics, this is our starter product. Um, we're we're actually eventually moving more into the compliance uh, space as we develop this product more. Um, and it's it's really compliance with contracts and um, the the sort of automation of that compliance. I, I think that's where we're headed as a company. As far as the overall industry, I think there's going to be more of a push towards smaller units of work. So when we hire a lawyer, we typically go through a service called UpCounsel that is sort of, we think of it as the Uber for legal services. Um, So we we go to them and we hire a a partner level um, attorney for a fraction of the cost and we get fixed fee. Um, and so, I think you're, you're going to have a lot of small businesses going towards that kind of a, that kind of a model um, because it, it fits with their, their consumption model, right?
0: Okay. Um, the nature of AI and machine learning seems to be you know, endless improvements on, on a pretty exponential and fast scale. You see that happening with your products. I mean, how good "quote unquote" will they get, and what will it mean when they become, you know, better than humans or exceptional? What what do you see is happening with your products?
1: You know, I I think um, you know. There's always this question about what, at what point we will will reach human level intelligence with a particular product, and um, I think that's really sort of asking the asking the wrong question and and sort of looking at looking at that in the wrong way. Um, Computers are already much better than humans in a lot of ways. They're certainly much faster. Um, And uh, um, so if you're trying to review 10,000 documents, you can do that in a few minutes um, with a computer with, with, you know, some AI. Um, So I, I really think that that kind of question is interesting, but I'd really think of it more in what sorts of things do humans do today that will no longer need to be done. So if we think of, um, I don't know, filing a brief or something, you know, the human's probably going to come up with the legal concepts in that. Um, and you know, whether they actually write the whole document or not, I think that'll change. Um, I think, I think enforcing compliance will change, um, but uh, you know, the, as far as the sort of creative aspects, I think we're we're a ways away from computers managing the creative aspects of sort of intelligence for for quite a while.
0: Okay. And uh, last question. So, to get some use out of this interview, this podcast. Um, who would make a good client for you at this stage? Is it an individual or a company or a law firm? And how can they get in contact with you?
1: So the the um, the bulk of, of our interest right now is acquiring customers at large companies. Um, these are typically um, heads of sales or heads of HR, heads of procurement, um, that are having problems with their in-house legal team, um, or it's the in-house legal team that's that's really feeling the pain of of inefficiency in their own in their own department so those are our ideal customers right now and they can get in touch with us uh, through our website legalrobot.com um, or just drop us a line at hello at legalrobot.com
0: okay well this this's been really great very informative very interesting it's uh, I think the work you're doing is really fascinating it's gonna have uh, a lot of implications and I'm glad it's it's more. Um, you know, in the contract side and then and seemingly the consumer side as well. So thanks for taking the time to interview. I appreciate it.
1: Sure. Thanks for having me.
0: You have been listening to almost here around the corner future technology podcast with Richard Jacobs, subscribe to this podcast, post to review to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3d printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.